Hello and welcome to the Eco Business Podcast. I'm Robin Hicks, Deputy Editor of Eco Business. Today we're going to talk about what is, in a sense, Southeast Asia's most dangerous technology, air conditioning. In the tropics, we rely on it to stay comfortable and productive, and it's a symbol of modernity and progress. But the warmer it gets as global temperatures rise, the more we use it, and the more we use it, the warmer it gets. Air conditioners are particularly energy-hungry devices that spew heat from their exhausts. A typical single small AC unit used to cool a single room consumes more power than four fridges. Over the next 20 years, air conditioning is projected to consume 40% of all electricity used in Southeast Asia, a region that is heavily reliant on coal for power. On today's podcast, I'll be talking to the inventor of an air conditioning system that is more energy efficient, cheaper to run, and less emissions intensive than regular air conditioners. Professor James Trevelyan invented his first air conditioner in 2006, after many years of research and development in the world's hottest places. He started selling his close comfort AC units in 2016. So James, you've traveled extensively around the world. I want to ask you first question, what's your sense of the extent of the cooling problem here in Southeast Asia? What do you make of the predominant technologies being used here and how green or efficient are they? Good question, Robin. The the problems here in Southeast Asia are quite modest compared with South Asia, where we have uh, 2 billion people living in much, much hotter conditions for many months of the year. And so, yeah, I mean, they're modest, but they're very significant and they're getting more so because, you know, you know what uh, air conditioning has done for Singapore? Lee Kuan Yew called it, you know, the invention that enabled Singapore to prosper. And basically what that means is that having a good night's sleep and being able to work comfortably during the day is is really important for productivity. If we're going to achieve sustainable development goals around the world, we need to improve productivity. And that means air conditioning for so many people. But yeah, the technologies we're using at the moment, yeah, they are 100 years old, more than 100 years old, and they're not good for the environment. They're very thirsty for energy. We can do much better. And the technologies to do that are already here. So what about the technology available here in Southeast Asia at the moment? Um, Predominantly, what sort of tech are we using and how efficient is it? Well, look, it's useful just to remember what the, the the real issues are. So uh, the real immediate issue is the need to reduce carbon and uh, other emissions that are causing the planet's climate to warm uh, at an unacceptable rate. So that's the urgent issue in front of us. And it comes from two sources. One is when we generate electricity to power air conditioners and refrigerators and all the other cooling and other machines we need, carbon dioxide is generated as, as, as a byproduct. Now, We can deal with that because solar energy has now become much cheaper and much more widely available. We need land area. And of course, in Australia, we've got lots of that. There's even a proposal to build solar power plants in Australia for Southeast Asia and run huge cables across. So the other aspect is that the gases which are used in conventional refrigeration machines, once they escape, and unfortunately, you know, while there's all the intention to recycle goods and Singapore is making a valiant effort in that direction, uh, 
The reality is that most of these gases escape into the atmosphere at the end of life and an awful lot of it during the life of the machines because these machines are never absolutely leak-proof when they're on a large scale. Small-scale machines like your refrigerator are completely welded up. So they're not a leakage problem during the lifetime, but the big machines that split systems that are used in households, offices, and so on, and especially the big systems for, for major buildings, yeah, that's a big issue. And, and that can be tackled. You know, there's the Kigali Agreement, which uh, is going to enable people to move to lower greenhouse-friendly refrigerants over a period of time, but, but, this is the big but, in South Asia, it's too late. In other words, the Kigali Agreement is coming in too slowly to make sufficient impact to get us to where we need to be by mid-century, which is zero emissions. And, and here we've got to remember that while countries like Britain and not even Australia, but Britain and many other countries have announced policies to get to zero by mid-century, that's not where the big issue is. <laughs> the big issue is China and South Asia. And so we have to have solutions there. Uh, but I think the, the great thing is that Singapore has a desperate need for energy-efficient air conditioning, and so it can be the hub from which all these ideas spread out. Interesting. So um, I want to ask you next, James, about um, a report that came out in June by a climate analysis group, CDP, which actually picked on the major manufacturers of air conditioners and claimed that the, t- the cooling technology that have been making has been has been too slow to innovate and continues, as you mentioned earlier on, to rely on hundred-year-old technology, emissions-heavy technology. Um, why do you think it is? Do you think it's fair that big manufacturers have been slow to innovate? You know, I think there's two ways to look at this. Uh, the first is to say it's really hard. Um, we're up against the limits of the laws of physics and thermodynamics here, and. I think it's, although the the suggestion has been made that these companies are not investing enough in R&D, it's important to understand that to really invest in R&D, you do need to have ideas that work, basically. Now, there's two big markets for air conditioning. One is the domestic market. And uh, it's been suggested that ordinary people, and it's quite true in many countries, they look at the upfront cost of an air conditioner. They don't think about how much it costs to run it. And the companies are being accused of saying, well, you're not doing enough to reduce long-term costs for the people who use these air conditioners. And there's there's a good argument there. They, They could actually educate their customers better and do good business. But the question we have to ask is, where is the new technology that's going to get our emissions down to zero? And, 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 If that technology was around, it would be immensely attractive for commercial air conditioning, immensely attractive. And commercial air conditioning is installed by people who really do think through the full lifetime costs of the equipment, much more so than individual consumers. So if there was a new technology that was going to magically change the situation, we would have seen it in that market. Getting on to new innovations, we'll get to yours in a minute. We'll talk about close comfort which is um, your company in a minute, James. I'll ask you about a new innovation that came out of Singapore in 2018. It was an invention from the National University of Singapore, which used a membrane dehumidifier. Um, Maybe you could explain what that is. And water instead of chemical refrigerants. And they claim to have uh, used 40% less energy than regular units to operate. Now, that came and sort of went in 2018. We haven't seen that resurface 
again, but that sounded like a really interesting climate-friendly innovation, but we haven't seen it scale. Um, what's, what's your sense on new innovations that are coming out in, in air conditioning and how feasible they are? Well, uh, you know, uh, I do know the people behind that invention, and uh, the answer is watch that space because right. uh, things go quiet when, you know, you see a lot of videos for new technologies and so on. And so often the videos and the promotion is all about actually attracting finance. Uh, so when they go quiet, you can be fairly sure that they actually got the finance to do something. And yes, they are very busy right at this moment. And uh, there will be announcements coming along. So they're focusing on data centers. And, and I'm sure you know that various estimates around, but some around 5 to 10% of all the energy that we produce is now going to store your photographs that people snap on, you know, Snapchat and uh, Instagram and so on and so forth. And all the videos for TikTok, this is what's consuming energy to store all that stuff. And we know this is going to be a big issue. So we have to do something about the energy efficiency of these data centers. And that's where they're aiming their work. It's, it's at data centers. And yes, they've got good ideas. You know, basically, we have an immense advantage in Australia. We have a dry climate. So all you need to do is evaporate a bit of water and you feel quite a bit cooler than you do otherwise. And so their idea is to suck the moisture out of the air in Singapore so you end up with dry air and then you can just use water to do the cooling. Uh, and there's no shortage of water in Singapore. So that's the basic idea. And I, you know, I very much hope that they will succeed. Now, the exciting thing is, of course, that this technology can also be used in buildings. And uh, where you've got a lot of people in an enclosed space, that kind of air conditioning, uh, the what we call space air conditioning, works really well. It's energy efficient too. But, of course, at five o'clock, all the buildings empty, don't they? And then people go home and then you have quite a different problem at night. And, and so let's just let's step back a minute and say that, you know, a lot of this hinges on how we perceive comfort. The background to this story is that in the 1950s, uh, air conditioning companies worked with universities in America and came up with some air conditioning standards that suited men wearing business suits at that time in North America. And those standards have become the de facto design standard for buildings throughout the world. And that's why you walk into an air-conditioned building in Singapore and you freeze. You need a suit on to feel comfortable, especially if you're next to the air-conditioning vent. Because that air has to be colder because it has to cool down the people and all the equipment, the lights and everything in the building before it comes out warmer at the other end. So now there's a really great approach being taken with the new building at NUS Architecture Faculty. It's the, the uh, Environment and Design Building. And what they've realized is, and it's all within the same standards uh, that, that have been refined and modified since. Of course, you know, people in Southeast Asia feel comfortable in, a war in warmer air. <laughs> so they said, well, let's design around that. And also, let's exploit the fact that if you're in the, the breeze from a fan, you feel two or three degrees cooler. So you don't need the air to be so cold if you've got a fan. So they've, they've come up with this idea that you don't cool the air nearly as much and you provide ceiling fans to provide the comfort. And this reduces the amount of energy that that building needs to the point where you can generate almost enough on the roof with solar panels. That's the way of the future. In the end, we'll look back on this 20, on the 20th century, the early 21st century and say, why didn't people choose? Why didn't people move sooner? 
why did they stick with, with the old technology that was so uncomfortable? And as we know, it makes people sick. You know, if you're in these buildings, you pick up diseases and bugs and things like that. The, the sick building syndrome is real. Tell us a bit about Close Comfort and the tech that you used and the story behind um, your invention, James, if you would. Oh, well, I'd love to. We used compressors and we'll be using them for a long time in the future. So I've talked about the big buildings where you have lots of people in the same space. But an awful lot of the time, uh, we are in our own spaces. Uh, if you think about it, when you're sleeping, you're immobile. There's no need to cool the whole building. All you need to do is cool the air, the little patch of air over the bed where you're sleeping. And that's ever so much more energy efficient. And that's what came out of my uh, experiences traveling South Asia, uh, where my, my, my dear wife is from Islamabad. And I can assure you that the mangoes are fantastic, absolutely to die for. But to get those mangoes, which are picked almost ripe off the trees, I learned that they actually they ripen in that heat. The worst thing you can do is put them in the fridge because they need that heat to ripen. The few days, critical few days when they're off the tree and just waiting to be eaten. But indoor temperatures at midnight, around 40 degrees centigrade. So you need air conditioning to sleep. At least I do. Uh, and of course, people who live there go without sleep. They don't get a good sleep for months at a time. And that's why the productivity is so low. So to me, it was a technical challenge with intermittent power because, you know, in India, Pakistan, across Africa, so many countries, uh, the power system can't keep up with demand because of air conditioning. And that's another story. But I, I said, is it possible to produce just enough cool air that lying in bed, I would feel sufficiently comfortable to sleep? and have it run on a battery. And after about, I suppose, seven, eight years of experiments, we said, yes, we can do it. <laughs> Great, so, so the answer you're saying is smaller air conditioners, localized air conditioners, and therefore cut the energy you use from, from Exactly, yes. So most of the, right. nearly all the energy that's used in conventional air conditioning systems is used to cool the building. Yeah. And, right. I've, and I've yet to meet bricks and concrete which complain when they're hot. Right, yeah. Well, a big trend in aircon, at least in Singapore, is something called district cooling, which I'm sure you're aware of, is that you call um, from a centralised source in a massive shopping mall. Uh, and that's, so it's more efficient because you only use one source to do it. That's sort of the opposite of what, what you're saying, right, which is more localised, almost personalised air conditioning. It's a question of capital investment. Uh, and if you've got the funds, if you've got the space, because, uh, you know, uh, chilled water cooling, that's basically using cold water circulating in pipes, just like you would in Britain where you use hot water circulating in pipes. It, it works. You can make it work fine. Uh, but you, it takes up a lot of space in the buildings. And not all buildings can easily be retrofitted with that kind of technology. So, yeah, it's capital intensive. Uh, you know, we need solutions which work everywhere. Uh, in, and that's, that's the big challenge that I see. But even in Singapore, you know, we've been selling our, you know, when we enter markets uh, like Indonesia, Pakistan, our products just simply fly off the shelves. It's just so easy to sell them. But in more advanced countries where people already have aircon, it's been really surprising how many people really like our machines because of the advantages and the flexibility. 
Uh, and the traditional air conditioning system, because it's built into the building, it's inflexible. And uh, you, you just have one temperature. And if people complain it's too hot or too cold, too bad. So, you know, this is the thing. You've got to look at energy efficiency from the point of view of where the people are really packed in. And in shopping centers, shared spaces, offices, uh, you know, where a lot of people, it's much more energy efficient to cool the whole building and provide a comfortable environment throughout. Uh, other places, it can, there's lots of advantages in doing it differently. Yeah, and you mentioned comfort, which is really interesting. I'd love to ask you about the, an issue in Southeast Asia that, as you mentioned, Lee Kuan Yew um, earlier on and his um, link of aircon to progress. Uh, and that's that idea that aircon is tied in with the perception of luxury and status. I, I wonder if you've got any thoughts on that, James, and how to challenge the assumption that cool air um, is, is better and, and what should be an acceptable uh, indoor, people, uh, indoor uh, temperature for people. Yeah, you know, this idea that air conditioning is the, is the way of the future, um, it, it basically comes from two sources. One is, of course, carrier air conditioning company invested a lot in marketing to convince people that air conditioning was the way of the future because they wanted to grow a huge consumer market for air conditioning, and they did it very successfully. The other is architects. So before the days of air conditioning, one of the constraints on building design was how to make it reasonably comfortable. And certainly in hot climates, that meant tall ceilings and small windows, uh, ventilation, uh, and you know, you look at some of the older buildings, even around, there's still a few of them around Singapore at the moment. Some of the older buildings are really comfortable and you don't need air conditioning. Just a ceiling fan is sufficient. Uh, and you'll find architecture across that, across South Asia, the Middle East. Uh, so architects reveled at the idea that they no longer had these constraints. They could do daring new things like having complete walls of glass quite unfeasible if you've got sunshine shining in and you've got no cooling on the inside. But air conditioning changed that. So architects themselves ran with this idea that heating and cooling was no longer a constraint on design. Now, of course, we move on. And now environmental sustainability is the, is, is the if you like, is the new mantra that we're all trying to strive for being green, sustainable, and so on. So yes, we can change our preferences. One of the really interesting things is that come out, has come out of research is that people who live in air-conditioned environments where they're exposed to the same temperature day and night almost all the time, they actually lose cardiovascular function and they develop illnesses much more readily. This is part of the problem behind the sick building syndrome. People who are exposed to moderate discomfort and by that, I mean, you know, some, some really hot, hot air for a while, cool, cold air for, for some of the time, but not enough to disrupt your life. Far more healthy. You mentioned um, the hygiene element. Obviously, I, like to, you're, I appreciate you're a mechanical engineer by training. Um, but I want to ask you about transmissible diseases as we are, after all, in the middle of a pandemic. Um, what about the design of air conditioning units and coping with diseases? What does uh, an air conditioning unit um, post-COVID look like? Post-COVID? I, I, look, I think it's going to be very similar to what we see today. So definitely building air conditioning systems for 
you know, many years, particularly in buildings where the owners have adopted worldwide, you know, good standards, uh, have very good air filtration um, and very good air distribution. Trouble is, of course, they're very hard to fiddle with those systems afterwards once they're set up and running. Let, let's be clear that the source of, if you like, controversy with COVID-19 has to do with the, the way the air circulates within a room. And air conditioning systems promote air circulation. That's how you get the same temperature throughout the room. So if somebody coughs and breathes out a cloud of, of let's say, assume COVID bugs somehow, because we're not really quite sure how this disease spreads, uh, they are going to get circulated through the room. <laughs> That's part of conventional air conditioning. Of course, we're not going to change that. You know, we will get past this bug like we've had past every, every pandemic before. So let's not get too fixated on the immediate need uh, to protect people and wear masks and things like that. Uh, but there is, a, there is a major disease problem which has affected air conditioning systems, and that's Legionnaire's disease. And that's caused by inadequate maintenance of the cooling towers, which are so often invisible. They're on the tops of the buildings where you can't see them or behind screens. And if they're not well maintained, then bacteria breed in this, this warm and humid environment of the cooling towers. And that gets then spread around the environment immediately around the building and quite often gets uh, comes in through doorways, if not through the, the air intakes. That's a major disease problem. We've learned to deal with it. You know, we've learned over the last 50 or 60 years how to deal with that problem, and it's all about good maintenance. Any thoughts on, bearing in mind building design, what air conditioning will look like in the future? Any, do you have a crystal ball? Well, you know, my crystal ball says lots of people will be using personal air conditioners because they are so cheap and convenient, and, and that could have a revolutionary impact on building design because modern buildings have been designed to be air conditioned notwithstanding all the health problems and so on that, that arise from that, but we end up using a much more concrete and glass. Now, con take concrete, for example. You know, 8% of our uh, CO2 emissions around the world come from making concrete for buildings, mainly, and bridges and highways. So, you know, if we're going to be, we could well face a situation where concrete itself is an embarrassment. Uh, what personal air conditioning does is it brings air conditioning to a bamboo hut. You don't Indeed, need yeah. a concrete and glass structure to be air conditioned and comfortable. Uh, you can be comfortable even in a tent. So, you know, this is this is what I see as the great great future across the world. We face the challenge of providing comfortable conditions in a warming climate for billions of people, and we don't have the resources to go around and rebuild all these buildings or retrofit them with air conditioning. So that's where I see a great future for personal air conditioning. It's like the campfire to keep warm in ancient times. In a, in a hot climate, in a, in a warming world, what we need is sources of cooling that are sustainable and affordable for the whole population. That's what really excites me, is to bring this transformation of air conditioning to so many people who desperately need it. That's a great place to leave it. Thank you so much for joining the Eco Business Podcast, James. Pleasure, Robin, and thank you very much. This podcast was hosted by EcoBusiness, Asia's leading media company serving the region's sustainability community. Join the conversation by visiting eco-business.com, follow us on social media, or subscribe to our newsletter. Thanks for listening.